told you what he's really doing here. He's picking up the fundamentals, bent knees, straight back and all that. Oh, the, the operation. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't go before I've already got started. What's she like, eh? Hmm. Undercover underworld. Well, you don't think they'd hire someone of his calibre humping around boxes, do you? I knew it. I said he'll never give it up. Detectives in his DNA. Kirk, Kirk, look. She's winding you up, you muppet. I knew it. You'll have to watch these two. They'll be banned central down here from now on. Do you mind if I have a wass? Go and have a wass. Do you mind if I have a wass? Go and have a wass. Do you mind if I have a wass? Go and have a wass. Now I know why our bathrooms never get cleaned. I cleaned the bathrooms this week. You cleaned the toilet. Hello and welcome to episode 195 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast that's disappointed in the show's juvenile fascination with some of the more unmentionable bodily functions. And by the way, job job willy wee wee bum totally fart, I'm Gavin. And I stand with Ukraine. No? Should you really be saying it like that? It's, it's, it's just... I had this all prepared and, and, and now I feel weird saying it after... After your Waz song. I don't think it's my Waz song. It's your Waz song. Well, in spirit, at least. Yes. But I do stand with Ukraine, as we all should. Yeah. Yes. I think we have some... Fucking Putin. We have some Ukrainian listeners. We have some Russian listeners. Yeah. Well, there are protests in Russia, too. The the common Russian people are like, what the hell is going on, man? We don't want this. You want to be... Very careful about what you protest in Russia. So anyone who is doing so is right. <clears throat> braver than I. So the mayor of Kiev is a former boxer, like champion boxer, you know, highly decorated boxer. And he's like, I'm fucking not going anywhere. I'm Give me a gun. I'm going to fight with my people. And then Zelensky, the comedian who is the president of Ukraine. I'm trying to avoid all of this, by the way. <laughs> I know. it's So th- thanks for... Breaking my embargo. But, you know, he's a freaking comedian. And the Americans, we tried to get him out, tried to give him an exit. And he's like, I don't need an exit. I need ammunition. I'm staying with my people and I'm going to fight to the death because he knows that if Putin gets his hands on him, he's going to execute him. So this is shame to all of our politicians, Republican and Democrat, because, you know, not one of them. They'd all, I mean, Ted Cruz went to Mexico to escape the cold for Pete's sake. Just a quick reminder that this is a Coronation Street <laughs> podcast. I'm sorry. All of this has been bottled up inside of me. Yeah. How are you otherwise? Ah, you know, COVID is still a thing. The kids this week, uh, this is the first week that the mask mandate at school has been lifted. Stelly continues to wear a mask. Benny, not so much. So... Expect to catch COVID in the next couple of weeks. Right. Yay! But, you know, otherwise, the snow melted, and it was warm for one day. And it came back again. And then it came back again. And then it went away, and it came back again. Yeah. It's been a busy old week. We are smack dab in the middle of cookie season, so Steli is bringing cookies. She's got, you know that uh, that that man bag that my sister bought you that the zipper broke, like, almost immediately on for Christmas a couple of years ago? Oh, yeah. 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 She's been filling that up with boxes of cookies and taking it with her to school and, and selling within her classes to students and teachers alike. Oh. So 
Is she allowed to do that? Nobody's stopping her. Well, in that case, she's allowed to do that. That's right. <laughs> we actually have a cookie shortage. So the cookies that we have are basically it until like mid-March because of shortages of ingredients and stuff, thanks to all this. No, I was in Mark's place with my friend Steve. Uh-huh. Not this week, last week. Last week. We were a ladies' what lunch. Yes. Occasionally. <laughs> and we go to Mark's place in town, which is called Mark's place. Yes. Run by a, a man named Mark. Yes. And our, our, our daughter's future father in law. Yeah. Uh, that's another story for another <laughs> podcast. Um, and there was people in front of me getting their soup. It's a very nice soup. Yes, a nice potato soup. They're having to charge for the crackers now. Mm-hmm. And the woman in front was like, why on earth are you charging me for crackers? Crackers are kind of... So, I can go anywhere and get crackers. And uh, Chris, I said... Actually, you can't. Not now you can't. <laughs> There's a worldwide shortage of crackers. soup crackers. <laughs> Who'd have thunk? This is, this is how the empire falls. Right. A shortage of soup crackers. Or being charged 15 cents for them. Nobody eats the crackers anyway. Right. I never eat the crackers. Not with not with that soup. With like a chili or something maybe, but not with a potato soup. And the sad thing is, if you get delivered a little sealed mm-hmm. package of your two crackers uh-huh. and you don't use them. They get thrown they away. They throw them away. Yeah. Because they can't resell them. And you wonder why there's a shortage. Just give them to people who ask for them. Right. They can't legally do that. It's a health concern. No, just don't give them to everybody. Just give them to the people who want them. Right, yes. That's what I'm saying. That's not a health concern. That's that's, that's good common sense. Right, yeah. So if you charge for them, then only the people who want them will get them. Or even if you give them away for free. But think of the millions of crackers that are given away every day to people who don't use them (laughs) and then they're just thrown away. This is now a cracker podcast. But not like that. This this I feel strongly (laughs) about. This I will make a stand for. I'm a coward. Anyway, shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that cracking Corey news. (laughs) When can you expect the big three-hour change on Corey? Next week. Next week. (laughs) Next question. (laughs) The show will now air at 8 p.m. Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Beginning this coming week. I don't think it's this coming week because I think we're missing a Wednesday this coming week. I think it's only on twice this coming week because of soccer ball. Soccer ball? Mm-hmm. And the soccer ball on Monday and then it starts... And I think it's on Wednesday. Wednesday and Friday. We should know this. We should know this. It doesn't matter to me because I watch Coronation Street... That doesn't Street mean to say that you shouldn't know it. On a Friday. You're at the helm of one of the world's leading Coronation Street podcasts. <laughs> one of two. Right, well, still... <laughs> That was a third one for a for a very short while. Yeah. Which had the best that. name out of all of us. Keep Calm and Corey on or something like that, wasn't it? It was it had Ken in it. Oh no 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 no. That was the other one. Oh. That oh was, there was another one? Yeah. Oh. I didn't know about that. There was a very there was one that lasted for like two weeks. Yeah. Oh. I'm sure it was Keep Calm and Corey on or something like that. They still follow us on Twitter. Oh. Well that's nice. Hello to you. Former Coronation Street what podcast What was a Ken people. one called again? Like Much Ado About Ken or no, something. No, it was... Because it was... they were good. They were brilliant because one of them was American. And one of them was... 
there was three of them. Right, yeah. yeah. And one was American. One did not give a fuck. <laughs> and then there was like a hardcore fan. Mm-hmm. And see, I... That's just why our podcast works, because I am both American and do not give a fuck. But then it became, on their one, that the American was the one that actually did give a fuck. Right. Because he became the only one that was watching it. Right. What was that called again? It had Ken in the name. It wasn't Gentle Ken, was it? No. No, no it was something like Much Ado About Ken. It or... wasn't Much Ado About Ken. No, it wasn't, but it was like that. I need to find out. <laughs> yeah, crack one. All right. Um <clears throat> If reading is more your gig than watching soaps or listening to podcasts, first of all, what the heck are you doing here? Secondly, you're in luck, as another wartime Cory novel was just published, written by Maggie Sullivan, entitled We'll Meet Again on Coronation Street, and it features Elsie Tanner. So go to your local bookstore and pick that up. Have you found it yet? No. No? Are you excited to read We'll Meet Again on Coronation Street? Apparently, there's a whole bunch of these prequel mm-hmm. wartime novels. I'm not really into historical fiction that much. Really? I love historical fiction. Me. Which is one of the reasons why I thought I would really like that Making History book by Stephen Fry that I'm reading right now. Because it's both a sci-fi book, because it deals with time travel, and also, you know, historical fiction, because it deals with Hitler. I can't remember for life of what it was called. I enjoyed it. Yeah. You can't. Finally! <laughs> Canadian fans can breathe a sigh of relief as CBC has extended their contract with ITV to air. Of Mice and Ken. Of Mice and Ken. See, I knew it was, I knew it had a literary twist to it. I wouldn't disagree with that. I'd disagree with. That's why I said it was something like Much Ado About Ken. But of Mice and Ken, yeah. I liked them. Whatever happened to them? They stopped doing it after 30 episodes. Yeah. Where are they now? One of them's in Norway. Not that I'm not stalking them. Continue. <laughs> Well, that's that's Corey News. Oh, I missed the last bit. But CBC has extended their contract with ITV to oh, carry Corey, okay. amongst other things. Wow, we are absolutely shit in the bed today. <laughs> Speak for yourself. Our mailbag. Was. Alex wrote in to say, hi, I thought I would drop on what I think isn't working with a Mac storyline. There's no way to resolve this satisfyingly, in my opinion. Mac should go to jail, but Max isn't leaving the show, so that won't happen. If Amy does find out, she will end up being fine with him so Max can stay on the show. And having a character cause something so horrific to happen to another character can never be done well if they wanted to do the story with Amy. It should have been with a disposable character, and that way Amy could get her closure. I think it's Amy's closure really the main thing that is lacking from this. Right. And uh, uh, was it Scriptocene or was it Christy who pointed out that one of the sad things about Amy's storyline is that Amy's storyline isn't intended to be Amy's storyline. It's just a way to further the Max storyline. Correct. Which is a shitty thing to do with what is essentially an assault storyline. Mm-hmm. And Chloe from Nova Scotia says, Your podcast needed more swearing as far as I'm concerned. What they're doing to Amy here is just awful. Who wants to watch this shit? Seriously. Not me. Deco Trash added horrible turn with Max. Really bad. I was psyched that David was going to do the right thing and then... He did. No. I would have felt a tiny bit better if he had not destroyed the card. That was way dumb. And Tina wrote in to say, Sweary Ranty Helen is my favourite Helen. Yes. And Connecticut, Trisha finally said, I was absentmindedly browsing for something to watch on Britbox, probably in between visiting Dunkin' Donuts, and came across <laughs> a series with an astounding number of Corey cast members in it. Sorry not to use their real names, but yeah, that's fine by us. But the 2019 series The Bay features Evo Sharon, our lovely Addy, Dylan, Sean's son, ITV Corey, Homeless Stew, 
I'm oh. only on episode four, but I'm sure if I keep on watching, I'll see Ken Barlow getting arrested or something. That's <laughs> a police show. Anyway, I just thought I, if any fans want to watch something, maybe they'll want to check it out. Thanks oh, for all that. Yes, thank you so much. A busy old mailbag. Yeah, see, the, the whole prison thing, I think it was me who pointed this out on, on the Twitter this week. I think it was I. David went to prison for quite some time himself. You know, and we got to have a whole... A bloke with all the pen on his face. Right, yeah. And, and, the prison the, riot. and the prison riot over the fact that they only had one season of How I Met Your Mother on DVD. <sighs> you and that joke. That's going in your gravestone. Whether you like it or it not. Last, it's, it's, it's Look inside as, your gravestone will say, for series one of How I Met Your Mother. <laughs> it's as evergreen. On DVD. It's as evergreen as your crushed Rana jokes. <laughs> That's true. So stick that in your pipe. And yeah, I mean, Gary was in prison for briefer. quite some time. Johnny was in prison for quite some time. Faye was in prison for quite some time. We can put long-standing characters in prison. I mean, there are long-standing characters that we haven't seen Sally in was over in a prison. month. Yeah, yeah. DJ exactly. was in Kelly prison. was in prison. You can you can have somebody go to prison and then we don't see them for a while and then they come back or we see them occasionally when people go to visit them. It is possible to do and not be disrespectful to all of your viewers who actually were assaulted and had to hear somebody say, oh, well, we don't want to ruin this boy's life. And now we'll podcast for coffee. Yes. Thank you to... Sorry, what were you going to say? Oh, I wasn't going to say anything. I just scratched my head headphones when I went for the ding, when I brought my hand back. After doing the after doing the shit in the bed this morning, <laughs> Vanessa, thank Speak you so for much. Yourself. Thank you so much for buying us our coffees this week. Yes, thank you. Vanessa says, "Welp, I'm the iTunes reviewer who rejoiced at Helen's jerk booing over the summer, and I'm back again to thank you all for being the only voice of reason in the Cory fandom. Helen's fury over the direction of the GHB plot was so on point and cathartic, and Gav remains hilarious. Thank you so much, Vanessa, <laughs> <laughs> for buying us our coffees. I'm." As ever drinking mine from our banner head mug. And I am as ever drinking it out of my I turtly love you mug. Which did you use it for soup this week? I did. You did. So your coffee tastes of soup? <laughs> Wee bit. No, but I'm the one who did the dishes after you did the soup. And so I was the one who had to rinse your soup out of it. I was right though. It is good for it soup. It is a great mug for soup. Mm-hmm. The entire tin fits in no problem. <laughs> Without being so high that you can't dip some bread in it. All in all, Eight on ten. <laughs> is it better than the SpongeBob one? Yeah, it's a SpongeBob's a funny shape. Hmm. Six on ten. SpongeBob is a funny shape. He's square. Yeah. <laughs> if you think this bullshit is worth <laughs> anything whatsoever, more than your time, you can buy us our coffees for next week by heading to kofi.com. That's ko-fi.com/slash/the talk of the street, and we'll be very appreciative, won't we, Helen? Yes. And now, Helen's favourite section, YouTube's. Oh. I just don't like the theme song. It's like from a 1980s sci-fi movie. Which is what it's meant to sound like. So, job done. <laughs> Nine on ten. <laughs> this is a section where we talk about what's new in our YouTube channel this week. We've got the regular stuff last week's podcast and my three favourite bits from the three episodes this week. And we have a new Corey Life story added, this time focusing on the life and times of Maxine Peacock, so beloved that she has a bench. 
If that tickles your fancy, head over to youtube.com slash the talk of the street podcast, smash that subscribe button and take a sturdy wrench to the face of that notification bell. <laughs> and now this. So violent. Very aggressive imagery. A welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about a pleasant sharpness. Does this have to do with cheese? That's right, this was Tim talking about his favourite crisps. Oh. They're ridged, they're salt and vinegar, with a pleasant sharpness. Huh. I was Gavin and you got a new pet. Is this about my Roomba? Sadly, our green Roomba passed away, so you've got yourself a new one. Yes, its carcass is still in the basement. I thought you'd buried it outside with a dog. <laughs> when it self-docked for the first time, you told it it was a good boy. Yes. We were both wearing Talk of the Street merch, which made me feel more like Iron Maiden than I've ever done in the past. Peter thinks Carla should forgo a business meeting so she can have a takeaway with him, so Carla lies to him and gets bladdered with Jenny, while Ken is annoying about jigsaws. Yasmin has been collecting envelopes from financial companies and has moved on to the red set, forcing her to conduct business with reasonable bailiffs and an unreasonable bank manager. That was quite amusing that the bailiffs that came to take their stuff mm-hmm. were so reasonable. Yes. Despite having a perfectly serviceable sinkhole in their back garden, Gail stores her dead father's wicker casket in their living room. New face on the block, Ronnie, doesn't do very much this week other than give Paul the nickname Knickers. Dave, Which then he never uses again. Yeah, that never caught on. No. Dave and Mary decide that there's no better way to prove that they're cool with Asha seeing Nina than with French movies and Cauliflower Wellington. Yes, French movies about lesbians specifically. Gary is finding it increasingly difficult to keep a near delirious Johnny safe from his fellow inmates. Leanne employs the services of a Derek Pokora lookalike to contact Oliver, but Toya looks to have the measure of the medium. Tim's mum buys a chicken. Sam discusses probabilities. Jacob fashions the largest joint in Christendom. Our moment of the week was Asha and Nina and the portrait of a lady on fire. And our boring moment of the week was the whole Johnny on the inside storyline. Have you seen Portrait of a Lady on Fire? I don't think I have. And I was thinking that just as I was writing that out. Yeah. I still don't think I've seen that. I still don't think I'm sure I know what it is. Is it a picture? Or is it a moving picture? Or is it something it's a, else? It, uh, yeah. One lady is hired to paint the portrait of another lady and they fall in love. It's a fantastic title. It is a fantastic title. We have some movies coming up this year that have fantastic titles. Like everything, everywhere, all at once. Which mm-hmm. we're both excited to see. The one with Jamie Lee Curtis and Michelle Yeoh. And Studio 666, which uh, I'm going to see today. Yes. Is it Studio 666? Yes. It, well, it's... it's um, What's the name of the band? Foo well, Fighters. Yes, it's Foo Fighters. In the, you couldn't remember Foo Fighters. I, this I, is going I to be a long had, morning. I haven't had a full cup of coffee yet. And I was embarrassed to ask you but I did it anyway because I love you and I know you'll love me no matter what, even if occasionally I forget the name of the Foo Fighters. I think it's Foo Fighters in Studio 66 is the full title. I thought it was Foo Fighters colon. You could be right, because Foo Fighters colon doesn't make an awful lot of sense. Yeah. It looks amusing. Yes, and, and, and I will not be attending with you as I will be attending a symphony orchestra concert of Mozart and Beethoven. Yes, you'll be drinking your tea with your pinky stinking out. Yes, I will. Does it stinking or sticking? It's sticking out, but you said stinking, and that's more amusing. There we go. Yes. With your stinking pinky. <laughs> Shall we dive in? There my are times dear. My... Never mind. 
Our first storyline this morning is a fist full of grannies. Yes, Gav is now blushing. On Monday, Linda drops in on Chesney early doors to find a house full of screaming kids and laundry everywhere. She offers to take Joseph to a special half-term activity thing and Gemma bites off her hand. Joseph, Granny Linda wants to take you somewhere. Yay! Get out of the house. While she's waiting, Linda... Oh, never mind, you are going to say, she's going to help with the laundry. Yeah, she walks in and starts folding clothes as a suspicious Bernie comes in and wants to take Joseph round a tour of free parks. But Joseph has bigger plans with Granny Linda. Smell you later, says Joseph, and he and Linda leave, putting Joni's, Joni's, Bernie's nose out of joint in the process. See, like right away, these people are so unreasonable with her. She hasn't seen her grandson in forever. Which they, they and, say is her fault. Right, and... He hasn't seen his, this grandma in forever. Who whereas, he used to live with. Yeah. Whereas he sees them all the time. <laughs> it's very nice of her to just start folding laundry. That's fine. Because mm-hmm. it's all kid laundry. It's not like she's folding Bed sheets. Bernie's bras. Bed sheets. <laughs> so, like, right away, they're so unreasonable with her. And it makes me sad. Ben announces to the surprise of no one that she doesn't like Linda. Gemma points out that Bernie is jealous of Linda and her genuine handbag and that Bernie doesn't like the lollipop lady and she got an OBE. She tells her mum to play nice. What lollipop lady are they talking about? Lollipop ladies get OBEs all the time. What is a lollipop lady? It's the lady who says lollipops. What is a lollipop lady? A lollipop lady is like a school crossing guard. Oh, okay. But Because the sign looks like a lollipop. lollipop. All right, Mm -hmm. okay. So it's a crossing guard. It's which a lollipop is, lady. Which is not as fun to say as lollipop lady. Right. That so makes the, more so much more sense now. I was like, who is this lollipop lady and why did she get an OBE? I'm watching the scales literally <laughs> fall from Helen's eyes. <laughs> Joseph and Linda get back from their activity thing. Joseph heads off to get changed, but Bernie puts the kibosh on that to the quads of the scoots so they're to be moved into uh, Joseph's room so they don't catch anything. Linda worries where... Actually, I think it's the two that have got the scoots that have been moved into Joseph's room. So that they two won't catch us, because it's, it's a little worse than it could have been. Right. Linda worries where Joseph is supposed to sleep, and doesn't think much of Bernie's suggestion of his outside den. So she suggests that Joseph come stay with her at the hotel. Which makes sense. And Gemma thinks this is a great idea. Yes. Then Joseph comes down the stairs, upset that Cleo has puked over his only pair of jeans. Why does that child only have one pair of jeans? They can't possibly be that poor where they can't afford two pairs of jeans. The only things that he's got are joggy bottoms and he can't wear joggy bottoms to a fancy hotel, says Joseph. It's adorable. It is it is cute. Linda takes him for something to eat and suggests that Gemma gives him a quick wash, mm-hmm. the jeans that is. Yeah. So while he's out, Joseph buys a chocolate bar and inside the wrapper of the chocolate bar <laughs> is a golden ticket. So Bernie hops out of bed and starts dancing around. Clipping her heels. <laughs> I've got a golden ticket, sings Bernie. <laughs> <coughs> and then Gene Wilder arrives. Oh, fresh from the grave. If only. And does a forward roll. Surprising everyone. Right. And then his jaw falls off because he's dead. <laughs> yeah, that happens. <laughs> Linda and Joseph go to Nina's roles where Bernie is working. Linda and Joseph chat about Katie and his life back in Portugal. Joseph remembers it very fondly, especially the pool. He nips off for a shite which allows Linda and Fizz to throw some barbs at each other. Fizz informing Linda how Joseph stole money from her purse so not everything's Hope's fault. And anyway, it's all water under the bridge now. Except it clearly isn't. Otherwise, why would Fizz be bringing it up? So, Joseph is 10? Yeah? He's he's supposed to be a little younger than Hope, I think. So he's maybe 9. 
Okay, so he's like nine or ten. He's been on the street since I've been watching it, so for like three years, at least. So he was six. Four years come up. Yeah. So he was five or six, and he was already living with Chesney. So how long did he live in Portugal? And how old was he that he remembers vividly going in a pool by himself? Oh, he remembers being in the pool. Do you not remember when he came back from Portugal when his mum died? No. His mum died. We weren't watching at that point. Yeah, we were. No, Because we he was speaking Portuguese. He only knew Portuguese. And this Daniel was, was the only one that could speak to him. This was before my time. Well, I was watching at this time. Yeah. Because I remember that bit. So, yeah. So, he was like f- five when he moved to the street and yet he's reminiscing as Stop. if you he's been, leave that wee laddie alone. As if he you, was in school. As if he was in school for years and remembers fondly his his summers out by the pool. Because Linda refer, Linda talks about it like he was in that pool by himself, splashing around, you know, the way she's like, Oh, we can never get you out of there. And the way adults treat Joseph, it wouldn't surprise me if they just threw it. It's probably a wee paddling pool. It's not like an Olympic sized swimming pool. Well no, but it, it It's not the ocean. No. You settle down. <laughs> Linda gets Still. back home and has a word with Chesney about Joseph stealing money for the school trip. She's worried about Nana Bernie's influence. Joseph isn't getting the attention he deserves and suggests that he moves back to Portugal with her. This would help everyone out. Joseph was a ray of sunshine when he lived out there before and now look at him. Chesney Again, t- he was, that was like five years ago. Chesney, and- you've made that point. Chesney tells Linda to get the fuck out while Gemma sits on the stairs and eavesdrops. Outside, Bernie has already caught wind of this and accused Linda of trying to steal Joseph. Linda insists that she's just trying to help. Chesney and Joseph come out, Joseph desperate to get to the fucking hotel and away from all of this. And as adults squabble, Linda asks how Joseph would feel about living in Portugal with her. And so he's quickly hustled back into the house while Chesney and Linda go off for a chat. Poor Joseph. And Nina's rolls, Linda apologises for asking Joseph outright, but she felt under attack from Bernie, which she absolutely was, and she challenges Chesney to ask Joseph what he wants to do. And all of this could be very easily solved if they just sat down and had a conversation and Chesney said, you know, I'm his dad. I don't really want him living full time with you, but maybe we could do something where he could spend his summers with you in Portugal Mm -hmm. that would give us a break. You would get time with him. We would get time with him. Everybody's happy. But no, everybody has to go on the defensive and start throwing fisticuffs at one another. Chesney looks like he knows what the answer to that question would be. So he tells Linda that she smells and he runs away. Back home, Gemma tells Chesney that Linda isn't a monster and maybe she has a point. This is tough. Joseph overhears Gemma talk about how she and Linda are worried for Joseph after he ran away and that she suspects he'd have an amazing life in Portugal. He creeps back up the stairs for a bath so he doesn't hear her go on to say that she wants him to stay with them just like Chesney does. They just need to work out how to make him happy. And later Gemma scares Joseph by shouting at him about how everyone loves him. Joseph apologises. Gemma tries to talk to him about Portugal making him happy and then runs off to deal with screaming quads. So instead of sleeping in a fancy hotel, Joseph's bed is a couch in the living room. Chesney apologises and tells him that his home is here, alright? It's here. Yeah, about that, says Joseph. I think I want to go and live with Granny Linda. The, the whole not allowing him to go stay at the hotel for one night. Yeah, why are they punishing him for that? It's freaking ridiculous, mm-hmm. yeah. Because it is, it is punishing him, and it's also reinforcing why he would want to go and live with his grandmother in Portugal. Yeah, so instead of... He would never have to sleep on the couch. So he's sleeping on the couch because there are kids shitting everywhere in the house room, and 
he doesn't have a door in his room, so Chesney has to say the words knock knock before he walks into the living right. room. Well, he's just lying there in the middle of the room. It's awful. He should be in the hotel. Right, yes. Chesney is a bad dad. So on Wednesday, it's chaos at Chesney's. There's a doll getting stuffed in the kitchen sink and shit all over the upstairs floor. And that's just Bernie. <laughs> Chess has a word with Joseph, promising that he'll do better to ensure that they don't forget about him and asking him to reconsider moving to Granny Linda's luxury villa in sunny Portugal. Fuck my life, says Joseph. Linda goes into Rovers forward with Gemma. They get to bickering about Gemma's supposed preference for her own biological kids, which leads to Gemma blurting out how Joseph wants to live in Portugal, but fuck that, he's staying put. And this is all Linda needs to hear. Right. Because she doesn't know this at this point. And I kind of thought maybe that it was a bit of a low blow for Linda to mention the biological yeah. aspect of it. Uh-huh. But she's been treated so appallingly since she came back. I think I'm going to give her a, right. give her a pass on but that. But Gemma has never been the one to treat her appallingly. Yeah, that's true. You know, this is the thing. The one ally she's got in this family is the one that she's shitty to. Makes no sense. And it is shitty. It's like somebody saying something like that to you. Which nobody would ever do. Not even, you know, not even people who are. I'm trying to think I would be bothered if they did. (laughs) Because it's true, they're not biological, so. Yeah. It's a statement of fact. Yeah, but. You can't argue with it. Yeah, but who's been the one to do the majority of the raising? Well, true. And put the most money in. Oh, true. (laughs) I've invested a lot of money into this. Yes. So Deva's having a hard job working at the kebab shop, so Bernie agrees to take her old job back for an extra quid an hour. Further down the street, Linda is arguing on FaceTime with Izzy about Joseph, so Dev slides along with offers of quattro and some Dev love. See, the the whole negotiating Bernie coming back, I loved that, mm-hmm. because it's Beth mm-hmm. who ordered two, and Dev only comes out with one. Mm-hmm. And when Bernie first walks up, Beth is shitty to her, because she's Beth. Mm-hmm. But then in the end, it's it's the two of them against right. Dev. And I love that. I love that for them. Linda makes her excuses and leaves. Later, Linda heads into the rovers with Bernie right behind her. Dev is already there and Bernie reckons that he's about to back his second granny of the year. Linda tells Bernie <laughs> that all she cares about is Joseph. He's her flesh and blood. And Bernie takes this as a slight and calls Linda out for never being around. So Linda and Dev go to another pub, presumably the Flying Horse, which never gets much of a mention anymore. And then on Friday, it's the last day of half term and Joseph wants to go on a picnic with Granny Linda and the family. Ches is less than keen and worried that Linda will be all over them like a rash after Gemma blabbed about the Portugal thing. Later at home, Joseph wants to go geocaching with Granny Linda and Chesney. I love that because I also love to go geocaching. And Chesney loses his shit. He's sick to the back teeth with Granny Linda who is a total cow. Joseph calls Chesney horrible and runs up the stairs for another bath. Gemma looks like this is a side of Chesney she doesn't particularly like, along with all the other sides. <laughs> and then Gemma tells Ches to apologise to Joseph and they can't stop her from seeing for, from him from seeing Granny Linda. Right. None of this is his fault. No. Finally Thank somebody you. says that. Thank you, Gemma. Gemma, the voice of reason. <laughs> Something's wrong with the universe. Everybody let that sink in. Chesney takes Joseph to Nina's roles to meet Granny Linda and then goes off to take a call. Who's phoning Chesney? Seriously, it's Dev, isn't it? I think it is Dev. I think he says, uh, hey, Dev, into the phone. Joseph explains how Chesney is always angry with him and does his head in and has a tendency to hit himself in the face with a brick. (laughs) I'm just in the way here, he says. Linda tells him that it won't always be like this. Well, what's going to change, asks Joseph. So Linda distracts Joseph with a milkshake, but not like that. No. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Yes. That's a lovely wee scene at the end. Imagine being a kid of that age and having the... Uh, the worldly knowledge 
to say, when somebody says to you, things are going to get better, and Jojo says, well, what's going to change? Right. Yeah. That's a very mature line. Yes. He's a very serious child. <laughs> I thought he and Linda were just great together. The two they of them were. are lovely. And he's so cute. I'm glad he's getting more airtime. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's, yeah, without a doubt. I'm glad he's not just, you know, somebody for Chesney to boss around and tell to go take a bath mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Run up the stairs, run down the like, stairs. And I mean, and I mean, that's the thing. Things will change because everybody will get older and then it will be much worse. Can you imagine when those quads are teenagers? In that house? Yikes. Teenage, t- five, ki- five teenagers in that house. Well, actually, Joseph will probably be yeah. out of the house by then. Yeah. But, you know, it was nice to see Izzy on, on a phone, mm-hmm. at least. So that was that was nice because you forget. Again, you forget that there's... There's a connection between Izzy and Chesney. Yeah, you think Izzy's away somewhere. Right. Instead of stuck in her house. Right. Sewing knickers. She's still doing that, do you think? Yeah. Remember they had that whole thing where they organized they did this. that thing. And, and dealing with her her neighbour. So this is the kind of Sophie's Choice thing that is presenting itself well, to, this to is, Chesney. Well, it's not really Sophie's Choice. not really choice, Sophie's but, Choice. But it's a, it's a choice. Nobody's dying in this storyline but the the fork in the road is the life that joseph has at the moment is not great is unfulfilling and it's making them unhappy right to the point where he's prepared to fake running away from home right just to get noticed right yeah so that and it's and it's messing his up up his relationship with his dad and with Gemma and with his brothers and sisters you know the red flag that was fluttering about that has kind of been rolled up and put away they're kind of forgetting that this was as far as joseph was concerned these are really drastic measures that he took mm-hmm. just to get noticed right that had an effect that is now worn off or and also does he go away and live with granny linda in portugal right where he's going to have a much better standard of living mm-hmm. one would assume yes he's going to have the attention that he needs right he's going to have focus he's going mm-hmm. to have a lovely surroundings he's not right. going to be sleeping in a pile of quad shit for the foreseeable future. But Chesney's choice is to keep him keep him with him, keep him in the situation that's right, causing yeah. him to be so unhappy. Now I don't because think Because that- Chesney is a selfish git who just only cares about himself and his own pride. If he can't take care of his family, nobody else can. You know? It, which is like his whole not wanting to take any money off of Linda and not accepting Linda's help last week. You know, it's it's this whole, it's the Chesney show and that's it. And I think everybody is starting to finally realize that he's not a great person. And uh, and again, all of this could be solved if everybody wasn't speaking in such total absolutes. If it was, like I said, if it was like, well, he's in school here. He'll stay in school here. And then in the summer holidays, be the way around. summer holidays, Bring him he back goes for to summer. Portugal. Bring him back for someone who spends the rest of the year with Granny Linda. Yeah, but he's been here for five years, so all of his friends. What friends? Hope. And um. And those kids that are bullying them? Yeah, you'll miss them right enough. Simon. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, no, wasn't it Max? Who who was it? Who? Oh no, it was Addy. I know I'd get there eventually. Remember Addy? It was played the Fighters? video games. With anyway, anyway, let's move on to our next story this morning, which is Jacob's Cream Crackers. But not like that. On Monday. Well, a little bit like that. 
At number eight, Shona has decided to be the tough mum and demands that Max goes to Daniel to apologise. Max is confused because he didn't do anything to Daniel. Tough, go apologise and tell me you'll be back in class now that it's transpired that the nut job that was drugging students is you. you. So, with a confusing brief, Max goes off and finds Daniel in Nina's roles and just apologises for everything. Going further, he promised to keep his head down and focus on his schoolwork from now on and that he's coming back to school because... David's decided that his education is more important than anything. Then he rushes off and Daniel is left surprised. And later Daniel bumps into Steve and asks how Amy is. Steve says she's recovering. Daniel calls her a tough cookie. And Steve explains that all the evidence is pointing to the fact that this drugging took place at school. Daniel doesn't seem to think he has anything to regret here and decides that Mrs. Crawshaw is going to be the one who will be fuming about this despite the fact that this happened on his watch. Right. Daniel becomes suspicious, though, when Steve explains that Max's camera didn't pick up anything because it didn't write to the SD card. Daniel thought Max was the new Steven Spielberg, according to Daniel. Prick. <laughs> so Daniel goes to see Max at number eight. He asks to see this, uh, the school footage from the disco, and Max says it didn't record. Bit convenient, says Daniel. Add this to the apology, and Max coming back to school, and it's all a bit suspicious. Let's call the police, says Daniel, and see if they agree. What will the police say? Whatever will they say. Max begs Daniel not to call the police and has to admit that he was the one what spiked the drink. Now put the phone down. When pressed, he also has to admit that the real target of the attack was Daniel. Yes. And Daniel seems to take this oddly well. I really, I've, I've written down he's appalled. <laughs> yeah, but he's I not... I didn't write down Daniel took this well. <laughs> he's appalled, but he does hang up the phone and he doesn't call the police. Well, that's true. Daniel says that Amy is scared to leave the house now. Max calls it a mistake and suggests that Daniel knows all about what it's like to make mistakes. Like pushing me down the stairs. Mm -hmm. Daniel has the actual nerve to say, and what do you mean by that? (laughs) Well, there was the one time you pushed me down the fucking stairs. He asks if Daniel thinks he deserves prison for this, and this is too much for Daniel, who quickly leaves. Later, Amy meets Daniel in Nina's roles and says that she's feeling better. David has helped and she knows it could have been worse. She's okay and she refuses to live her life afraid. She's Amy fucking Barlow and she's stronger than that. Yeah. Yeah. Tell your eyes that, Amy. Mm-hmm. Daniel goes back to number eight and tells David that Max has confessed. Daniel tells him that he hasn't called the police because Amy is strong and will be okay and <sighs> sending Max you. to prison won't fix anything. Go fuck yourself, Daniel. And also David and also Max. All of you just go fuck yourself. And also Shona. Shona should really fuck herself quite severely because she's the one that talked David out of all this. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> it, it, <laughs> This whole, oh, well, she's so strong, she'll be able to handle it much better than Max would prison. Because she's mouthy. Because this girl is mouthy. Right. And can and stand because up for herself in a verbal confrontation. Because you of know? that, she can handle the fact that she's going to be walking around the world thinking that somebody out there wants to rape her. Right. While she's unconscious. Yeah. Yeah, go But she's mouthy, yourself. so she's strong. Right. Oh, she said she's okay. Yeah, women say they're okay. They lie. Because we're taught... That we shouldn't complain about things because this is just the way of the world. And it makes it easier to get through the day. Right. Yes. And not have to think about it too much. And also, nobody cares about our problems. Sending Max to prison won't fix anything. Yeah, it oh, fucking what, what, will. What a stunning indictment on the on the prison system that recovery and rehabilitation is out of the question. It helped David... He promises not to say anything to anyone, but his family will kill him if this gets out. Kill yeah. him. Kill, kill him. him. 
And you pointed out rightly, because I was like, yeah, they absolutely will. And you're like, well, they didn't ostracize him when he pushed Ken down the stairs. Nope. I think people prefer Amy to Ken, though. So I think they will ostracize him if, mm. if this does get out. On Wednesday, Nina Rolls, Daisy and Daniel are discussing a missing apostrophe from a headline in last Friday's Gazette when Amy comes in. About children's mental health. Mm-hmm. Daniel starts to get antsy, but Daisy insists that she looks fine. Amy is accosted later by Max and Nina. Both want to know how she is. Max acts shiftily when the chat turns to the identity of the drink spiker. Nina tells Amy that she and Roy are always there for her, warning her not to bottle it up. And as she walks away, Amy calls Jacob. Mm-hmm. And she goes to see Jacob to give him his sweater back, but he thought it was they were meeting for something else. So he has decked out a rowboat with romantic candles and a picnic. And fairy lights. Near to the spot where Seb was murdered. <laughs> so romantic. Isn't it romantic? <laughs> Dum-de-dum-de-dum. Seb was killed over there. Next part of her romantic evening is a tour of the places where Seb was murdered. Our first stop is right over there. This concludes the tour. <laughs> Jacob insists that he doesn't want her to fall out with her family, so she suggests that they keep seeing each other on the down low. But not like that. He'll do whatever she wants, and then they have a delightful wee chase about his sweater. That's as far as we get with that. And that was very cute. So. I like the two of them together. I actually do. Yeah, I me think too. they're very cute. And, me too. And Jammy. And Jammy? Jammy. That's their, their couple name. I prefer Jammy. As in the Dodgers. <laughs> They're so sweet. They're like a cookie. Or a biscuit, if you prefer. <laughs> I prefer Jamie is what I prefer. <laughs> Jamie. That's, that's not. That's, that's Jamie. So. He's not, his name's not. Well, it is Jacob. Never mind. Yeah. Now, I have a, a little fear mm-hmm. that, that what Amy says, as far as the character is concerned, is exactly right that she's strong, that she's not going to let herself be afraid by this. She's Amy fucking Barlow. She's better than that. And now she has recovered from this trauma that happened only last week, remember, where she was hospitalised, essentially in a coma for a little while. It is a front, though. I hope that it's a front. Because... because Let's face it, the the show has it within itself to to go, no, it's not a front at all. No, it's fine. There's no depth to this. The only the Listen. only thing that makes me think that there is there is depth to this and she's not really fine and it's all a front is the fact is the conversation with Nina. Why would she have that conversation with Nina? Why would Nina say that to her if something wasn't going to come of it later? Yeah, that's that's kind of a good sign. Yeah. That they're dealing with this realistically. Right. That somebody has the wherewithal to look at her and say, Look, you can't keep all this stuff bottled up. Mm-hmm. Because I tried that and it didn't work. The scene with the robot was absolutely gorgeous. It was so sweet. And really just the way that it was shot with the sun going down and the colours that were in the, the shot. It was very unusual for for you to notice colour and, <laughs> and Coronation Street. The, the palette is fairly standard British. But this mm-hmm. was a lovely, warm, beautifully lit scene. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really it was quite outstanding and the, the sentiment of it as well and the robot with the candles and the and the sweater she, there's got to be a sweater isn't there there's got to be a sweater and then Seb's little, <laughs> there's a little stain every time the, you say rowboat I think you're saying robot although there's the, <laughs> and that just Tim makes Bok me think of summer says who eats chili con carne without rice is that all Tim Bok can say now apparently <laughs> 
I'd have to stop recording to do anything about that. Robot, 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 robot. It's a boat and a bot. There's a difference. Mark it for me, please. <laughs> yeah, I thought that was. I thought that was delightful. I was watching it on Monday though. Absolutely furious with Daniel. <laughs> like I need more reasons to hate Daniel, right? Right. But this was happening just at the same time as Joseph was talking about going to Portugal, and I'm like, "You all can just fuck off to Portugal as far as as far as I'm concerned." This is yeah. Take Amy with you. Everyone go, Granny Linda. Take everyone Amy with you and leave Daniel and David and Chesney <laughs> and Max and Ken just because <laughs> and and Lydia. Yeah. Although there was part Fucking of like Lydia, Linda, Lydia, Linda, Jake, Jacob, Joseph, Johnny. We need a Lynn. George. To go with Lydia and Linda. And a Glenda. Billy's brother's name is Lee. Mm-hmm. Billy and Lee. Billy and Lee. Billy Lee. Billy and Lee. Billy and Lee. Billy Lee. You'd say Lee and Billy, wouldn't you? <laughs> so that's the way Is that about better? That. Lee and Billy. Billy and Lee. Yeah, Lee and Billy's better. What is wrong with those Mayhew parents that they name their children Billy and Lee? Probably William and... Lee's short for Charles. Is it? Yeah, I've done you a couple of Lees that were actually Charles's. Like Charlie mm-hmm. Lee. So it's, it's William and Charles. Right. So they're, That's very regal. So they're royalists. Mm-hmm. Billy's parents are royalists. Yeah. I Billy's just... gay. And, <laughs> and Lee's, <laughs> Lee's a junkie. Yeah. That worked out well. It did. <laughs> right, let's move on before we say something that's going to get us sent to the tower. <laughs> it's too late for that. Right. Our next storyline this morning is Camper Van Kevhoven. <laughs> on, on Monday. Abby oh, I should looking, laugh about this because it's a sad storyline, but it's, crack on. Abby is looking miserable for a change. Kev comes home with news of holiday plans to celebrate Jack's adoption tomorrow. They're off to Bridlington. No, me neither. Apparently it's on the other coast. Ooh. <laughs> at the factory, toys at her job. Yay! And she and Lydia and Sarah chat about the engagement proposal stuff and how there's no ring yet. That's not in that's Oh, yes, it's in that story. <clears throat> so Toya and Imran are having high tea at the bistro. High tea. Imran has made Toya a ring out of a napkin or something. Tiny sandwiches and... And tea. And macarons. And then Sally and Abby come in followed by Sean and they all offer their congratulations. Abby looking a bit awkward and Sean bugging the tits out of everyone simply by being there. But he doubles uh, down when he suggests a game of Never Have I Ever. Why, yeah, is, why, Sean, why is Sean? Sean 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 can stay too with, with the other gits. Yeah, he's not, he's not to going Portugal. he's not going to live with Granny Linda either. No. See, and it's never have I ever an adult game. This is a game that the girls play when we're uh, driving Sean. to camping trips. Sean. And it's like, never have I ever eaten a pickle sandwich. And yet Sean is trying to make it dirty. Yeah. It's it, truth or and dares the, and dirty. The not never have I ever. Yeah. And he's like shouting to everybody in the bistro, the bistro. who's just trying to have a nice evening out. Debbie should be. I'm sorry, sir. You're going to have to leave. <laughs> she should. Where is Debbie? He goes on about this long enough for everyone to tell him to go fuck himself. Abby storms out and Sally falls behind, reckoning that she knows the signs that Kev has been cheating. Upset, Abby reveals that she was the one what cheated, and Sally makes that surprised face she does, and then stomps away when Toya comes out. 
On Wednesday, Abby is sending texts to Sally when Kev comes in wanting to know about the road trip. Abby has paired the playlist to the stereo, which is an important point, so let's all acknowledge it now. Yes, an important point for people who don't understand how technology works. She was up early, which she puts down to the nerves ahead of the adoption hearing thing today, so Kev drags her to the bistro for a special breakfast. Kev has got his hands on a camper van. I didn't know the bistro did breakfast. It was a special breakfast that Debbie was doing just for them. Oh, it has all the latest mod cons, a coffee maker and a very plot important Bluetooth stereo that we should all know. Abby <laughs> nips off to see a passing Sally and begs her not to say anything to Kev. Sally hasn't made up her mind what to do, but seems to thaw when she learns about Jack's adoption thing. It was nice to see James. Yeah. <laughs> then Kev's once. camper doesn't start. Oh, pig's tits, says Jack. Yeah, because he remembers that his dad's got a camper van much better than it's this camper van. It's much nicer. It's much more posh, thanks to Ronnie's money. And the quote, Abby nips out to badger Sally some more but gets her answering machine and once again she begs Sally not to tell Kev. Later, the judge decides to get some advice on Abby's junky past before making his decision and he adjourns for three weeks. Abby's solicitor, who gets paid by the hour, tells him that they're making progress. Kev thinks it's all worth it in the end. Uh, this, in, is, it's, this is ridiculous. I would have thought they would have done the, this investigation and had these reports right. already. And also, she's already living with the child... She's already married to the child's father. Yeah, she's not a random junkie that just the, wants to adopt right. Jack. The child's the child's mother is dead. Yep. Isn't she? Yes. 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 <laughs> yes. She's one of the dead mothers. So wait That's a great band, by the way. The dead mothers? Yeah. Yeah. Much better than the dead presidents. Um This this should be an open and, and the shut grateful dead. <laughs> open and shut case. Mm-hmm. Back in the street, Kev tells Jack how the hearing went and asks him to go easy on Abby, who seems to be taking it hard. But not like that. Kev has got the camper running and is playing banging 90s tunes as he tinkers with the engine. Abby goes round the corner when Sally calls and tells her that she won't be telling Kev as it'll break his heart. And predictably, the call has played through the camper speakers because of the Bluetooth thing. Right, yes, because the writers of Coronation Street don't understand how technology works. Oh, that does work like that. It, it, it should not pick up... You have to, it, it, especially since music was playing already, it shouldn't pick up automatically. I can sit here and have music playing on my phone and you're out. Uh-huh. And when you come back, it stops playing because it connects to your your stereo. It, That's happened before. That shouldn't have ever happened because I don't ever have the Bluetooth on. It's, it doesn't matter. It pairs with it. And it thinks that you want to play it in the in the stereo because it's near the stereo. I've switched it off, but it has happened. So I was quite, yeah, I'm, I'm believing this, kind of. So, where did we get to? Yeah, so the call plays through the campus because Kev is not amused. What's going to break my heart, he asks. What have you done? So he always quickly jumps on what she done. Right, yeah, this is, this is the part of the storyline that I hate the most. She admits that she cheated on him and he presses her on who with, guessing at Tez. And for some reason, Abby decides to invent a brand new lie to replace the old one. Right, that it was nobody, that it was just a... Oh, no, wait, that was Imran's lie, that it was just a nobody, that it was just some random... I don't know why I don't know why Abby doesn't go along with that and just say it was a nobody. Just, because yeah. now Kev says Tez a lot and wanders about telling people it was Tez. And right. this is eventually going to get back to Tez, you would right. think. Who's you would think... Say, no, I didn't, eh? You would think that this would be the, the part where Kev would jump in the camper van, drive to Tez's house, because he knows where Tez lives, yeah. and beat the crap out of yeah, him. Yeah, well, I know that Tez is. And Tez would beat the crap out of him. There you go. They would beat the crap out of one another. 
and then Abby can go on to marry somebody much more age appropriate. Kev storms off in the camper van. At home, Abby's in tears, which Jack misinterprets to be about the adoption. You're my mum anyway, he says, and no judge can change that. Which was sweet. That's sweet, but not not the thing. Abby goes to see Sally and asks her to call Kev and tell him to come home. Sally tells Abby that Kev will come round, but he needs time. He's done what himself. He's the best thing that's ever happened to me, sobs Abby, while Seb turns over in his grave. Right. And the twins, Romulus and Remus, immediately cancel their Easter flights to Manchester. <laughs> while they chat, Kev starts banging on the door, but not like that. Abby! Abby! No, no, Sally! Abby! Sally! Abby! Abby! Sally! <laughs> so, now Kev, so now Kev thinks that Sally and Abby are in cahoots. Obviously worried that Sally has told Abby how he cheated on Sally with Natalie Barnes while Sally was off taking care of her sick mother, or how he cheated on Alison on the eve of their wedding day by sleeping with Sally, or how Kev slept with Tyrone's ex, Molly Dobbs. Thankfully, Sally has chosen not to mention any of this. Well, because it's common knowledge. She already mentioned it earlier when she thought that it was Kev who had cheated on her because he has form. Yeah, well, these are the specifics. The three of them argue on the doorstep as Jack watches on. Kev wants all the sordid details of this affair, which is a little creepy. Right, Jack, and, it, it, and again, she's already told him it was a one-off. It was not an affair. Jack wants to know why they're all arguing, but he doesn't say he hates anyone and he doesn't run up the stairs no. because he's outside. Yes. Back home, Abby tries to explain to Jack that she's fucked up and things are difficult. Kev sends him out to his mates, which leaves Abby to explain that her head was mince after Seb. She messed up. It was a one-off. It's over and it was done before they were married and she promises not to let him down again. And he kind of gives her a hard time for blaming this on Seb. Because he's a fucking asshole who shouldn't even be... I can understand him being a little disappointed, but the self-righteousness of this dick is just fucking pissing me off because uh, how dare he how very dare he pull this double standard shit with her who has never cheated on him except for this one time when he is a habitual cheater on all of his women since the beginning of time yeah but he doesn't count since, them because he hasn't cheated on Abby right yeah and it also doesn't count because he's a man that's right how dare she <laughs> how dare a woman cheat on such a fine specimen of a man Make as is me a Kev, sandwich. bitch. <laughs> she still wants to go away, uh, get away from here, clear their heads. She goes for a walk, telling him that if she comes back and she sees the camper still there, she'll know that he wants to try. And she leaves, asking for a chance, while Kev trembles with rage. Fuck you, buddy. Abby comes back from her walk and sees a camper, so thinks that Kev is giving her that chance. But Kev isn't giving her that chance. No. He was just hanging about to shout at her some more. This isn't going to work, he says. He's leaving with Jack, and when he gets back, he wants Abby to be gone. I can never forgive you for this horrible thing you've done to me that I have done to countless women in my past. Kev wants her to be gone. Gone, asks Abby. Gone, gone, says Kev. Which brings us on to this week's Hard Debate. Kev sped off to Bridlington with Jack in his camper van, leaving a distraught Abby at home, contemplating their future mere weeks into their marriage. But what should Kev name the camper van? <laughs> Old Faithful, Wanderlust, RV Maria, or Camper Van Kevhoven? I chose RV Maria. The vote was because thus. Because I like classical music and opera. Wanderlust. Just 5.6%. I was kind of shocked by that. It's, it's, too, it's too pat a name, I think. But there's kind of the lust of the the affair was kind of what I was going for. Sure. Which is why Old Faithful is there at 22.5% and 
and it's a tie. People like Old Faithful. Remember how many people were sitting around that guy there waiting for it to go off when yeah, we, we were there? We were two of them. Yes. RV Maria <laughs> and Camper Van Kefhoven both scored 36.1%. Wow. Yeah. So one side could be Camper Van Kefhoven. And the other yeah, side. you have to practice saying it. It's not easy. <laughs> and the other side could be RV Maria. Much easier to say. Yes. And sing. On Friday. At the garage, Tyrone is surprised to see Abby working on a car. She explains that Kevin Jack left without her. Like Home Alone, asks Ty. Yes, like Home Alone, says Abby. <laughs> so she's, already, she's already murdered two idiots who tried to break in already with paint cans. <laughs> Sally's off to see Gina and get some ice skating practice in. Tim <laughs> bids her a fond farewell and insists that he has lots of people to make sure that he's fine. Emran comes by the garage and Tyrone is only too happy to loudly chat with him and Sally and Tim about Kevin Jack going off on holiday without Abby and how it looks like their marriage has hit the skids already. Emran lingers about the community garden to listen to Abby and Sally chat about Abby's future with Kev and they say enough to let Emran know that Sally knows something. So later Emran sneaks to the garage to have a word with Abby who confirms that Sally knows but doesn't know it was him and Kev thinks it was Tez and that her marriage is over. Congrats, you're off the hook, you filthy shitbag, she says, just as Toya passes, keen to know what's going on. And she says this because Imran can't help himself and, like, his face just has Lights so up. much relief <laughs> right. on it. Yeah. Like, whew! Oh, thank God! Oofed. So that was a close one, wasn't it, for me? Abby explains it away and then tells Toya that she and Kev have split up. I'm a trained listener if you need me, says Toya. So Toya can't take no for an answer and goes round to see Abby, who decides to cover up by saying Kev left her because she was back on the muck. Right, so once again, another lie. <laughs> Why not just do the whole, I was really distraught and got drunk and slept with somebody else. Right. Some random. Does she think that this Toya's going to put two and two together and thinks, oh, Emman did that recently. Is that what she's thinking? Because enough time has passed, I think. Right, for... this, this whole thing is just... Mm. Mm. Toya reaches, reaches into her mental Rolodex to give Abby some standard responses Which Abby sits and listens to for a bit Before asking politely for Toya To fuck off and bug someone else Back home Toya explains about Abby Breaking up with Kev because of drugs What a relief says Imran Excuse me says Toya's eyebrow Oh nothing says Imran And then back home for Abby She calls Kev and leaves a message Telling him that they can work this out And she's not going to give up on them And she'll be out. waiting there for him when he comes back we can work it and that's out. as far as we get with that this week Ugh. do you think it's over between Abby and Kev I hope so they've been married for a couple of months a couple of months I've never liked What's this it? pairing because I hate Kev because <laughs> he's a shitty partner and has been a shitty partner to all of his partners on the show let's be honest yeah even when he wasn't cheating on them he was kind of shouting at them Right, yeah, which he has done to Abby. He may not have cheated on Abby, but he's shouted at her, he's bullied her, he's gaslit her about the whole something. Oh, you should be fine now. He's been dead a couple of weeks. You should be fine now. Mm. Sort of garbage. Yeah, it, it just automatically assuming every time she's a little wonky that she's back on the drugs. He's not a good partner. She, Abby deserves better. So you're on the fence about this then? <laughs> Fuck Kev. He's also not going with Granny Linda. Him in that jacket. Are staying on the street. No ticket to Portugal for, for that Kevin's jacket. jacket. It was funny them talking about his mustache though. Yeah, it's, it's good that it's gone. It is weird to see him without any sort of facial hair whatsoever though. Really? Yeah. Because he's not had a mustache for 
so long or are you counting the stubble? It's every time you see Kev dressed like a like a hobo with his stubble, you think that's how he looked on his wedding day. That was him scrubbed up. What is he doing? Homeless Stu never looked this bad. No, he never. His hair was luscious. Yes, always. Still luscious. Always luscious and well combed. Yeah. It's the hobo that does it, I think. Mm. <clears throat> Abby should hook up with Homeless Stu. So I'm thinking that obviously this is still to come out because Inman thinks he's in the clear and for a, a soap actor thinking that you're in the clear is the worst thing that your character can, can right. be thinking because right. you're going to be brought you're down gonna to slip air, up. You? you're going to slip up and out of all of them I think Inman and Toy are the only ones that I really particularly care about yeah yes but, because they seem to genuinely Toya care about one better. another does she she tried to steal her sister's kid. Let's not forget. <laughs> Toya has her demons too. Are we saying that Coronation Street could change its name to Everyone Sucks Here? Yes. Yes, yes, they could. Everyone Sucks Here will continue in half an hour. <laughs> Except for the kids. The kids are the only ones who don't <sighs> stick. A lot of them suck, though. Hope. Although we like Hope. We like her, but, but she does suck. Yeah. She did try to kill someone. She tried to burn someone alive. Fire, fire. Okay, wow. Beavis. Okay, Owen Wilson. Oh, right. Who was <laughs> do that? you have any other impersonations? Who you was that do? I did coming out? Oh, it was uh, Ray Romano. Well, I can't remember how I did it. <laughs> it's all in the nose. It's in the nose. Yeah, it's a very nasal. But it's not that. Because I was watching in another Ice Age movie. I think I managed to say Robert quite convincingly in Ray Romano's voice. <laughs> Let's move on then to our next storyline, which is Breakfast Stew. On Monday at Speed Dial, Homeless Stew is worried that Yasmin is overpaying him and insists that he wants to start paying rent. Homeless Stew is the most wholesome of all characters here. And honest. You've paid me too much, and plus I want to give you more money. Yasmin reluctantly agrees, but wants Stew to spend his money on him. He's earned it after all, she says, and Stew is chuffed. So he goes buys himself a hat. (laughs) Tracy, I think she's like... Do you know, I've got this money burning a hole in my pocket. I'm going to go buy a page boy hat. And the Rovers Trace announces that Ken has got her a wine tasting thing. For Christmas. It's just arrived in February. And she'll be having a soiree tomorrow. In comes home a stew's thrill to throw about his wage. And he learns about Ken's present. Tracy is horrible to Jenny and to Homeless Stew and gives Stew her unwanted wine because it tastes like horse piss, but is better than meths and tonic. Yeah, because it's American. Mm Mm-hmm. American wine sucks, according to Coronation Street. Never had a Californian Chardonnay then. No, seriously. So Stu and Jenny talk about Tracy and her snobby ways, and homeless Stu reckons it's about time someone brought her down to the earth. Yeah, good luck with that, says Jenny. So on his way home from the pub, Stu noisily steals a wine package from Ken's doorstep. And off he goes with it. (laughs) On Wednesday, homeless Stu comes round the corner to find Ken telling Dev about how he's manually corrected all the missing apostrophes in last Friday's Gazette. (laughs) Dev seems to have taken a consignment of shite wine and is furious. Oh, no, that's the American wine. Yeah, until Holmes Stew offers to take it off his hands, conveniently. You know what you never hear of? British wine? Yeah. It is a thing. English (laughs) wine is a thing. I haven't ever had it. it sucks. How much sunshine does Britain get? The south of England gets its fair share. Because the south of England is essentially the north of France. That's true. Still, California. (laughs) Have you heard of it? Even our Michigan wine isn't too bad. Like the cherry wine. 
that they make up in Traverse City. Why are you getting so upset about this? Because it's like... It's not as if you drink any of it. Well, I used to. (laughs) I'm Uh, just... USA. USA. That's what it's sounding like. (laughs) They're always slagging off the United States on the show. It's like... It's like I... I take it personally because they know I watch. People who suck. <laughs> Why do you care? It it's is deaf right enough. Homeless Jew is steaming. Not that kind of steaming. He's steaming the labels off the fancy wine balls and swapping them with the labels from the shite that he conveniently bought from Dev. He spins a yarn to Yasmin telling her that he wants to make wine bottles candle holders. Homeless Jew then loiters outside number one claiming to have received a delivery in error. Mary agrees to take it to Tracy as she's been invited to the wine tasting later. She invites Homeless Stew along, but he's got a half bottle of Buckfast with his name written on it, so he regretfully passes. Yes. Have you ever drink, drunk Buckfast? Yes. You have? Yeah, we've, we've, we've been able to get it at World Market, I think. They have Buckfast at World Market? I think they do, or they did. No Scottish people sleep outside the World Market, though, do they? Because <laughs> if they did, they would. It's like a calling. Bottle of Buckfast, horrid. Horrid stuff. <laughs> it just sounds horrid, doesn't it? It's made by monks. Well, and number one, Steve Tracy. You expect better from monks. You do expect better from monks. It's not like they have anything else to do. <laughs> right. Besides, you know, masturbate. <laughs> Obviously, <laughs> in the family feud, we asked a hundred people, "What are monks famous for doing?" <clears throat> masturbate. Bing. <laughs> Top answer. 95 people said that. God, we're going to hell. Five people said make Buckfast. <laughs> and number one, Steve, Tracy, I said family feud. Oh, of course I meant family fortunes. No, you didn't. You meant family feud. And number one, Steve, Tracy and but Mary. Do you mean, or, but do you mean the family feud with Steve Harvey or with Louis Anderson? Rest in peace. At number one, Steve, Tracy and Mary get ready for the wine tasting. Ken's not there, which is weird seeing that it was his present. Right. Mary has bought Gladys, the bottle opener. Tracy wants them to do this <laughs> by the rules. hairy armpits. And some pen and paper for their tasting notes. I was disappointed that Mary didn't have a rabbit wine opener. Oh. <laughs> because, because of the other famous rabbit product. Yes, yes, yes. Because yes. that would have been hilarious. We're back to the monks again. <laughs> and then she accidentally brought the wrong rabbit. <laughs> <laughs> Later, Yasmin finds Homeless Stew. That's never going to open that bottle. Yasmin, it will eventually. <laughs> well, we'll shake it loose. If, oh, later, Yasmin finds Homeless Stew. Oh, God. Later, Yasmin finds Homeless Stew outside the house taking delivery of something. He tells her it's a surprise for a wee work break later and he's ordered her a new brazier, specially, but she hears something else. Yes, she does. And later, Homeless Stew... And Jew, she doesn't protest. That's no. the funny part. Later, Homeless Stew has resorted to form and has an old barrel fire going in Yasmin's back garden. <laughs> this is her brazier. I thought you said, brazier, she laughs. Then he laughs. Then everyone laughs. Then she laughs. He pours her fancy wine into some mugs. I have glasses, says Yasmin. And then, and then Lydia walks by with a bag and says, here, you can have this one. And it throws the, the one that she bought on Adam's credit card. At, and it hits Yasmin in the head. And then everybody laughs again. This lets it breathe, says Homeless Stew, who claims this is wine from devs. Cheers, they say, and they clink mugs. Meanwhile, Tracy's wine list is a disaster, as Steve vomits blood into a box. <laughs> Tracy blames Mary for contaminating the vino, so Mary and Steve leave for some better wine at her place, and she's taking Gladys with her. Yes. On Friday at number one, Tracy's on the phone to the wine company. And she'll also show Steve her rabbit. And her, and her other one. 
complaining about the shite she and her friends drank last night while Steve gives himself a pedicure. It's <laughs> hilarious. Tracy, Tracy negotiates until one of Steve's clipped toenails pings her on the cheek. I love that. Let's all remember, these are two people who are still grieving a child and just had a child drugged last week. Right. Yeah, they've got over it very quickly. Comedy! Quick, right. Comedy toenails. Comedy toenails will continue in half an hour. Gavin's still hilarious. <laughs> Meanwhile, Yasmin is still going on about that Brazier misunderstanding. She's off to Dev's to pick up some more of that lovely wine, so Holmes Shoe has to come clean about the joke that he was playing on Tracy. Yasmin is upset that he lied to her and made her an accessory to our Tracy wine con. Steve Stu goes off to put things right in the middle of the working day. Yes. Holmes Shoe goes to number one to see Tracy, but she's out. Instead, he explains to Steve about his scam to get Tracy back for being a total bitch to him. <laughs> he returns the remains of the wine. Steve, seeing an opportunity for some day drinking with a formerly homeless person, invites Homeless Stew in to get wired on the vino, and yes. Homeless Stew is only too happy to oblige. Right, yes, because Steve knows what Tracy's like. And actually, Steve finds this whole thing hilarious that yeah. somebody got one over on Tracy right. in this way. Yeah, he approves. Yes, he does. Later, Ed goes round to number one to complain about the noise. A drunken Steve comes to the door as Le Fleur by Minnie Ripperton blares out of the living room. Stew shouts on Steve to invite Ed in. So Steve does. And now Ed is in on this. Right. And it seems Tracy's home as well, also pished, and is moving furniture so they can have a dance. So they can break dance. Yasmin goes to see Tim to tell her I about... I want to see Steve break dance. I want to see him do the worm. <laughs> but not like that. Yasmin goes to see Tim to tell her about her disappointment in homeless Stew. Tim doesn't know who that is. Yasmin <laughs> explains that Stew's deception reminded her of Tim's dad's sabotaging of Brian's broad beans. She worries that she's a bad judge of character and is making the same mistakes again. Homeless Stew isn't Tim's dad, says Tim. So Yasmin goes to number one and asks Tracy if she's seen Stew. Who's Stew, says Tracy, and then she remembers. She announces to Yasmin that they're off to the pub and she invites Yasmin along. It's not far, babe, she insists. Right. Because it's next door. Turns out the homeless Stew and Tracy are now best mates and they all head off to the pub with Yasmin, except Steve, who's fallen asleep on the bog. Right, and, that's yes. as as that. and apparently Tracy has bought Stu a, a, a wine course. Yeah, I'm not going to go. He's not going to go. And he, Stu says to Yasmin, we don't have to sit with her. <laughs> right. So there's still an acknowledgement from Stu that, that Tracy's awful. So the thing that you mentioned about the Brazier mm-hmm. confusion, I found the same thing in the conversation that Yasmin had with Tim saying that maybe she's a bad judge of character and she keeps making the same mistakes. Right. What mistakes is she talking about? Is she talking just about letting homeless Stew into her life? Or is it that or is she's she falling, falling for, for homeless, homeless Stew? Which is exactly what's going on because she didn't... When she thought he'd bought her lingerie, she does not protest and she doesn't look mad about it. If some rando bought me a bra, right. I, I wouldn't accept it. Yeah. Because you're the only rando who's allowed to buy me bras. Which you do quite well. If if that had happened, right. she'd phone the police. Right. And what would the police say? Right. The thing that I really like about Yasmin's conversation with Tim is that, you know, Tim asks her where Homeless Stew is now. And she says, well, he went to go apologize. Mm-hmm. And Tim's like, yeah, that, that's definitely not my dad. Right. And Yasmin has to concede. Yeah, you did not know how to say the word sorry. Right. 
you know, and, and this is a good, I like that she's having this conversation with Tim. I don't like how quickly Tim has recovered from triple, quadruple bypass. Triple. Triple. I think it was triple, yeah. Triple bypass surgery. He's going for walks now and it's been two weeks. Yeah. This is so unrealistic. It's not even funny, but it's, it's nice that she went to Tim to talk about this mm-hmm. and that Tim is so very sweet to her. Yeah, because Thomas this. would speak to Tim's mum about it. Right. She's not in this week, so it's... Right. Or, uh... But it's, but it's, right, it's right that it's Tim. Yes, it's very much right that it's Tim, because Tim is the best person to say, this guy who apologizes to people and is nice is not my dad. <laughs> yeah, and also, it's been... It's been long enough mm-hmm. since that happened. It's time to be happy again, really. Right. Kind of what she's... Uh, which has been told. Yes. And I think maybe she needs to hear that. Yes. And I think she needs to hear it from Tim mm-hmm. because it, it's like, it's kind of like she needs Tim's blessing to move on. Now, we we talk about it every time it happens, so it's only fair to talk about it again now. The drunken acting. <laughs> Did it pass muster? It's meant to be comedic. Yeah. Well, mostly it is, yeah. usually. It's, it's meant, this is meant to be comedic and it's not tragic that it's comedic. Because these are not alcoholics. Maybe. <laughs> They're all kind of alcoholics, but... <clears throat> I thought Steve was the best drunk. I thought Tracy was a little over the top. Well, that's kind of drunk. also, yeah, we've seen her drunk. She, and she this doesn't is fall consistent. on your table, so... No. And she's not asleep on the couch. They were, they were given good lines to... Uh, to everybody. Because Ed comes over to knock on the door and ask them to turn it down mm -hmm. because Aggie is sleeping. Oh, I love the NHS. Yeah. Which is something that a drunk person would say. You'd leap on the... Right. I love the NHS. I kind of like to have the NHS here, but, you know, it is what it is. But anyway, yeah, you know, so this whole... Everything here is kind of believable, except... I feel like the only part of this that's not believable is is Tracy forgiving Stu so quickly, coming home and seeing Stu and Steve drunk on the couch and saying, "All right, yeah, pass, pass me a glass." Kind of feels unrealistic for Tracy. Yeah, because I don't think that Tracy would see them as being equals yet. Right, and and also, you know, everybody keeps pointing out, "Well, good luck apologizing to Tracy," and yet she seems to accept it quite quickly. I guess because she's also getting free wine. Right. And they're not being charged for any other wine that they did get. So right. she's, she's basically getting all this wine for free. Right. Yeah. But it sounds like Steve and Stu drank most of it before she even got home. I was a little disappointed in Stu for stealing in the first place. It was a practical <laughs> joke, but practical jokes are terrible. Also, but also Tracy was horrid to him. Mm-hmm. The things that Tracy said to him in the pub. Meth and tonic. Right. Yeah. You know, when this is a trained professional chef she's talking to, let's remember. Yeah, Just because l- he was remember, homeless doesn't mean that he doesn't know anything about wine. Let's remember also, Tracy, that you're known to have eaten and will eat in future at Speed Dal. So maybe maybe don't say nothing to the man who can jizz in your, your gel frizzy. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, there was a part of me that's like, She's grieving and her daughter was drugged last week. Maybe it's not the greatest thing for her to be, for Stu to be messing about with her. But then when I heard what you, you know, at, from before I watched the scene, but then when I watched the scene, I was like, yeah, Tracy deserves everything she gets. You know, 
And again, Stu was honest and afterwards brought the right wine, except for that one bottle and everything. It was a, it was a clever ruse. Yeah. I was still theft. And he deserves to go to jail for that. No! Our penultimate storyline this morning is knickerpacking Craig. On Friday, Craig is getting ready for his first day as a knickerpacker. Because people start new jobs on a Friday, apparently. Yes. Faye is unusually upbeat about it, masking her guilt that she's the reason he's no longer an awful copper. He can be an awful knickerpacker instead. Yes, and she's going to iron him a shirt. And she picks out a grey one to go and iron for him to wear. And yet... When we see him next... He's wearing that black sweatshirt with the faces on it. (laughs) At the Knicker Factory, Craig's boss is his stepdad, Kirk. Lydia takes a break from being psychotic in another storyline to wind Kirk up about Craig being undercover in Underworld. It's hilarious. Or Bant's Central, as Faye insists on calling it. Right. If if only Lydia was like this all the time. At the end of the day, Kirk tells Craig that yes, you might be getting a ticket to Portugal. Instead of a crazy person. At the end of the day, Kirk tells Craig that his mum likes a chocolate finger at this time of the day and he's always like that. happy to oblige. So but he goes like off that. to do that while Craig vomits into a bucket. But not like that. How was your first day? Asks Faye. I absolutely hate my life, says Craig. And absolutely like that. Back at the flat, Faye tells Emma how worried she is that Craig hates his new packing knickers job in the factory 15 feet away from his front door with his stepdad for his boss. Some people. This sets Emma off, anxious as anything, about Craig, Dead Ted's grandson, and all the other people they've hurt, like Dead Ted, who is now dead. Yes. It'll be fine, says Faye. And then Emma suggests that Craig try yoga, which I would like to see. <laughs> I'd like to see Craig do a downward-facing dog, please. That's or the tree pose. Can you imagine him doing the tree pose? Yeah, I, I can actually. <laughs> And that's as far as we get with that this week. <laughs> so that is, that's, that's Craig's job now. Packing knickers. He's got to compete with Sean for the most obnoxious sweatshirt <laughs> every he, day. What does Sean's sweatshirt say this week? Take it or leave it or something? Kill or- me, I think. <laughs> kill me now. I really wish Craig had worn his Why sweatshirt. <laughs> That would have been more appropriate. This is bad news for Craig. As a character, people go to pack knickers to die, basically. Yeah. Yeah, this is bad mm-hmm. news for someone who had a profession as opposed to a job. Right. He had a career. And I'm still not sure why the factory's making knickers. They were a distribution centre, wasn't that what they were going to be? But then they started making them again too. Because they got bored with the distribution center. Well, thing. because they were once once the factory was rebuilt, they were just a distribution center when they were working out of the community center. Mm. But then once they had their factory again, then they became they started making them again too. Oh well, but we get more mention of uh, Emma thinking about Dead Ted's grandson, who I think was called John. Yes, yes. So that's he's allowed come back to be called again, John because Johnny is dead. Right. And we need another character with a J name. Don't go through them all again, please. I had to cut it's out. It's a wonder they didn't bring Jason back. Five minutes of that last week. Let's move on to our last storyline this Billy. morning. Which Billy. Is, no. Billy. It's oversharing Please. Sarah. On Monday at the factory, Lydia apologises to Sarah for her bitchiness the other day and starts to sob when she explains that everything is getting on top of her with this imaginary relationship she's had with a married man for a couple of weeks. Sarah's about to leave for lunch when she sees Lydia fake crying over her imaginary and unnamed bloke. Lydia's so lost she doesn't know what to do and it started to annoy me that Sarah keeps on saying you're fancy man or mm-hmm. you're married man I said, yeah. there's no name here right 
I know obviously why, but yeah. the fact that it's gone on as long as this. And later, Sarah and Adam have been fucking each other on the couch when Sarah decides to talk about a text she's got from Lydia. Adam sighs, warning Sarah that if Lydia wanted to do something about her imaginary boyfriend, she could change her telephone number. You can do it by text now, apparently. He doesn't mm-hmm. believe a word that comes out of her mouth and reckons that Sarah's getting too close to an employee. Which is true. On Wednesday, Adam gives new meaning to the term junk email as he sends a not-safe-for-work pick to Sarah's Underworld account. Along comes Lydia and Sarah decides to tell her that she and Adam have been talking about her the other night and Adam reckons that Sarah should keep her nose out. Then she has another cheeky wee look at Adam's todger. Right, yeah. That was... Was it Adam that did that? or what? Yeah, it was Adam. I don't know why he would do that. The fact that, you know, yeah, to her work email. Not safe for work. Don't open this at work, he says, sending something to her work email. Right. And she opens it anyway. Right. And her eyes practically pop out of her head. Yes, she likey what she sees. She says, me likey. (laughs) Sean is desperate for a pish, but sees Lydia, who looks to have been crying again. Must be a day of the week with a Y in it, then. He promises to tell Sarah about this on the down low to make it sound like she hasn't been fishing for attention. So Sean must tell Sarah, because next we know Sarah's chatting with Lydia want to know all the goss again, which is what Lydia wants. At the law office, Irman is furious that there's been a recent spate of negative online reviews against Adam. Adam calls it racist. <laughs> At the factory, Sarah confides... Right, because one of them refers to his Scottishness. Mm-hmm. And so he says, this is racist. He to says Imran. To Imran. Right. <laughs> At the factory, Sarah confides about the bad reviews to Lydia, blaming that Rory Bremner character or whatever his name was. Right. Adam quickly pops into the factory unannounced to borrow Sarah's keys and is none too chuffed to hear Sarah and Lydia gossiping about his bad reviews and Lydia's man woes. And then we see Lydia is fucking about on her phone outside the fancy apartment and overhears an argument between Adam and Sarah about her relationship with Lydia. Adam's kind of upset that Sarah's still continuing this friendship, so Adam storms off in a huff. Right, and that she's she's told her all this stuff about the bad reviews and, yeah. you know. I said that. Yeah. On Friday, conveniently for the plot, when the rape hotel phones Adam to let him know that the watch from Valentine's Day has been found ten days yes. later. How often do they dust those plants? It's Sarah who answers the phone because Adam is in the shower. Confused that he would have lost a woman's watch, she confronts him about it, which he puts down to the staff at the rape hotel being fucking idiots. Mm-hmm. Also conveniently, he was late getting home last night as he was out playing pool with Todd. Getting over being angry. It's Sarah. Todd? That was a strange one, wasn't it? Or was it on his Todd? Yeah, he was on his Todd. But he was playing pool. So that's why I thought he must be with somebody because he was playing pool on his own. because, see, I had the subtitles on and it was Todd with uh, lowercase t. So it wasn't with with Todd, capital T. So who's he playing pool with? Just some bloke in the pub. Have have you... You've you've played pool with people you don't know in the pub before. I've watched you do it. Yeah, but I usually start by playing somebody that I do know. And then it's a winner stays on situation. Right. So he just doesn't mention names. That's fine. Anyway, at the factory, Lydia makes sure Sarah is in earshot when she starts full yawning at Toya, blaming being tired at staying up late all night, shagging that married man she's been seeing imaginarily. At the law office, Imran is annoyed at more bad reviews. He thinks that Adam should take a break from the practice. I'll be fucked before I step away from my own business, thank you very much, says Adam. And later, Sarah confides in Lydia about the phone call from the rape hotel and the watch. Hotels make mistakes all the time, says Lydia, and she tells Sarah to stop torturing herself and definitely don't go digging through Adam's receipts. So Sarah goes home and starts going through Adam's receipts, finding out that he's spent a fortune on sexy laundry and 60 bucks on a haircut. She phones (laughs) the hotel and is lucky to speak with a friendly member of staff who's happy to share details of Adam's room bill, including the room service of champagne and oysters, and this 
seems to land quite suspiciously now with Sarah. Yes, because she remembers that somebody was sick on oysters. Meanwhile, Adam is in Dev's buying his most expensive champagne. Nothing is too good for my Sarah. That'll be five ninety nine, says Dev. <laughs> so Sarah calls. Dev tries to push some like cheaper stuff on him, does. and which is unlike, unlike Dev. Dev. Sarah calls Lydia over to the flat and asks her outright if she's having an affair with Adam. Lydia confirms it, apologising but saying Adam gets what Adam wants and she couldn't say no and the chemistry was undeniable. And you know what, Sarah? I feel an awful lot better getting this off my chest. Oh, Get the fuck out of my flat, you slag, shouts Sarah. She's, she's just become even worse now with the whole mm-hmm. what Adam wants, Adam gets. Right. I was powerless to, to stop him. Right, yeah. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> In comes Adam with the champers. What? He says. Sarah knows about her affair, Lydia says to him. What? Says Adam. And I confuse Adam denies it while Sarah says that she's seen the evidence and Lin- Lydia thanks him for all the sex. Adam blames Lydia for stealing his credit card. You're dumped, says Lydia. Sarah finally throws <laughs> her out as Adam begs for a chance to have his say. He's so fucking cheeky of her. If I was, I know. That's it. I'm leaving you forever. Thanks for all the sex. You're dumped now. <laughs> if I was having an affair, would I suggest having a kid? He says. This makes no sense because none of this happened. He reminds her that he wanted them to keep their distance and the last time they slept with Lydia was a million years ago back right. in Edinburgh. Right. This is a years in the making scam, he tells Sarah. Sarah tells him to leave. She needs space to think. And again, I don't know if that's true. If it's just the fact that... Lydia just happened to be working for Gavin, who had a working oh, I relationship. I seriously thought you were talking about me. <laughs> do I do I typically refer to you in the third person? That's what surprised me. <laughs> no, you? I'm talking about we Gavin next door. All right, we Gavin. <laughs> you know, she couldn't possibly have started working for Gavin on the off chance that no. So. No. The fact that, you know, she just happened to conveniently bump into Adam again after many, many years. And this sets her off because she's mad because he forgot about her. But this is what I was saying last week. It's yeah. like the, this whole revenge thing seems to be stupid. S- something that has been boiling up in her for a decade. Right. And now finally I get the chance to put my plan into action. Right, which doesn't make any sense. What does this say about Sarah's insecurities that she's so quick to believe a woman that she's known for a couple of months over her husband? Right, yeah. And at this point, I think, I'm fine if the two of you split up. I kind of like them together. Right. But this is just, no, no, no. And again, you know, this is not the first time they've split up over another woman. Or Gary. Right. Another woman or Gary. I'm putting that in your headstone. Here lies Helen Brim. Another woman or Gary. (laughs) Kind of the way that the way that you said it makes me think that Gary's a woman. Gary who's having an affair with Adam, and honestly, I'd like to see it. That would work. I think there's a I think there's a corner of the function room just for you in that opinion. There's a storyline for you, Coronation Street. Write that. Please don't. (laughs) On the street, Adam demands to know what the blinking flip all this shite is about. Oh, you really want to know, she asks? You really want to know? Yes, please, he says. Lydia calls it payback for ruining her life back in Edinburgh. So now she's going to ruin his life and there's nothing that he can do to stop it. He still can't remember any of this. He barely remembers her. 
Right, yeah. She which, barely remembers Which her. it seems like the thing that really pisses her off. And also, how was her life ruined? Is she referring to her son, who we never see anymore, like, who we saw that one time? She abandons <laughs> on a daily basis. Yeah, but saying that he barely remembers her arguably just makes things worse. Right, yeah. So Lydia goes to walk away and Adam grabs her, which is seen by David. Nothing to see here, says Adam, and he lets go of Lydia, who runs away. If you've cheated on Sarah, it's your funeral, says David. So David calls Sarah... Who suddenly seems to care about his sister. Right. And women. Right. All of a sudden. So David calls Sarah to grass up Adam. Then Lydia shows up at her door. For some reason, Lydia is bothered by Sarah's fridge being open. So Sarah throws a leak at her. What do you want? And she throws a bag of peanuts at her. And Lydia squeals that she's allergic. This is meant to be funny, isn't it? I think this is meant to be funny. I wasn't laughing. No one deserves a liar like Adam, she says. I'm doing you a favour. Get the fuck out of my flat, shouts Sarah, or I will rip your fucking throat out. So Lydia runs away as Sarah leans against the door and breaks down. Right. And that's how we end this week's episode. And then runs after Lydia, shoves her to the ground and crams a handful of peanuts down her throat. Death by peanuts. Death peanuts. by peanuts. Yeah. That was meant to be funny, that little... I just, I just cannot believe the gall of Lydia in this. Right. The, the brass neck to be able to, to say back. these things. And what you come back for? To say that you're better off without Adam? I right. think that was implied. Yeah. And yeah. Well, and also just to stick the knife in further and to make sure that Sarah is still mad at Adam for all of this. Right. And I mean, so much of this could be solved by going to the hotel and and seeing the CCTV of that of that dining room. And also, who signed for these oysters? You mm-hmm. know, call the credit card company and say, I didn't buy these things. Who bought these things? And have the credit card company take care of it. And uh, for, it, this, it, for this to be the payoff and also to imply that this is going to get worse before it gets better. And this is going to continue. Yeah, that he's going to lose and his, uh, his Lydia's family. going to and make sure he loses his, everything because his, his he couldn't job. remember her name. I don't. I don't know if remembering her name would have helped. <laughs> it seems like whatever happened was sufficient. That because we still don't know if it was. I I think it's implied that he left her with Liam, not Liam, because that's Maria's son. Yeah. What is her kid's name? Finn. Finn. I that's remarkably right. know. I knew it was one of those kinds of names. If he really wronged her this badly. Would she really allow it to stew for 10 years before seeking her revenge and like, then only seeking her revenge when she accidentally bumps into him because she's working with her, his wife? What if Sarah and Adam had never gotten back together again after the whole Carla thing? What would have happened? Right. Or what would have happened if Adam had answered his own phone? Right. Yes. None of this would have happened. Exactly. Exactly right. You know, this... That whole Valentine's Day plan would have just been completely scuffered by right. Adam answering his own phone. And so what saying, are the odds on Adam answering his own phone when it rings? And saying, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. I didn't lose a watch. Click. Goodbye. Right. And then that's the end of it. That's it. Then Sarah doesn't go looking through his receipts. Doesn't go looking through his bank statements. Right. He goes looking through his bank statements and goes, I don't What the, the hell is this? this? Yeah. So for this plan to work, Adam's phone needs to be answered by Sarah. And Adam's mail needs to be opened by Sarah. And also, Adam and Sarah have to get married, and Sarah has to go work at the knicker factory, 
and Sarah has to form a, a working in the face with our microphone. Oh, no, and and Carla has to be unavailable on the day when they're meeting Gavin. So Sarah has to take that meeting. Again, I thought you were talking about me. <laughs> and then Sarah and and Lydia have to form a a friendship over the fact that they both have young sons. Right. And Sarah has to invite Lydia to the Christmas fair. And Adam has to walk by and Sarah has to introduce him as her husband. And Adam has to forget that he had a relationship with Lydia for a couple of months back in Edinburgh. That's right, because if Adam can remember this, and if Adam can remember how he supposedly ruined her life, Uh he can be telling Sarah this, look, I treated her pretty badly and all this sort of stuff happened. It It was a shame that it happened. It wasn't really all my fault. She's she definitely thinks it was my fault. Right. She's she's no friend of yours. No. This is a I think a house of cards built on sand here. Absolutely. This plan is the fact that we've managed to avoid any detection or any scuppering elements from this plan and managed to get to this point. Right. It's frankly it's powerball lottery winning chances of getting to this point. Right, yeah. <sighs> Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. Anything else to say about <laughs> Lydia is not going to Portugal. She's not going to Portugal. No. She's not getting a ticket. No. I'm so sorry. <laughs> as soon it's, as you said about her and the, and Jacob, the, the actors being uh, siblings, uh-huh. they do have a very similar face. They have the same nose. nose. Yeah. The shape of their heads is different. Once though. you see it, you can't unsee it. Yeah. So it would be, it kind of makes sense to have them related, <laughs> well, pretty much. But they're not, obviously. No. Yeah. Uh, is, and, you know, what's his name who plays Adam is right. This gets old pretty quickly, and I'm sure it gets old pretty quickly, not just for us in the audience, but also for the actors who have to do this sort of thing over yeah. and over and over again. And yeah. it can't be fun for them. Yeah, let's quickly talk about that and then we can we can be done with this. But it's a, it's a bit of a bombshell, right. that story. If if he's not been taken out of context and this hasn't been something that's made up, he's basically saying that we are uh, followed by Melanie Blake, mm-hmm. a, f- a former uh, agent to the stars. Right. Who knows how the business works, mm-hmm. right? And she says, this is him basically saying that he's considering quitting. That's, yeah. that's what this means. Over a storyline. Right. That's that's pretty, you know, and she hasn't she hasn't said this, but there's when when we heard and we were not the only ones who felt this way when when we heard that Alexandra Mardell was leaving the show, many of us were speculating. Well, obviously, because they give her shitty storylines mm-hmm. and just treat Emma so horribly and don't give her really anything good to do. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'd be, I'd be saddened to see Sam leave the show. Right. Because Adam's character, that's he's the only Scottish person right, there. I, have, I need something to cling on to. Right. <laughs> and there are no Irish. There's no Welsh except for the quads. But you've got to go where you're being challenged, where your your character is developing, where you're getting new things to do, where, right? Where it's being kept fresh. If you're being the same character for an extended period of time, it needs to be kept fresh. And if he's feeling that, mm-hmm. and let's be honest, he's correct that he's feeling this. Yeah. If he's feeling that he's getting the same storylines and the same things to come out of his mouth right. over, over and, and over and over, and over, and over again. again. 
I mean, Tina O'Brien must be feeling the same way. I'm not going to speak for her, but no. she's she's been the, the the counterpoint to that storyline. For the two of them have been bickering since since forever, right? Yeah, and going through the same motions over and over. Yeah, and, and over here again, we thought we were going to get like back. a nice storyline where they get pregnant and right. you know give them a happy storyline for once. But these aren't isolated characters. There are, like you said, like with Emma and with some of the longer serving ones. I'm. I think probably Chesney and probably Kirk and probably Beth and probably a few other sort of mm-hmm. characters who haven't had anything new to do right. for such a long time right. that they've got to be thinking, well, people do, I, do who, I continue doing this and not really getting people, job satisfaction? People or do come I find to work to, do? to just walk down the street, say one line, and then they're done for the day. Right. Like once every other week. And, you know, honestly, every time somebody leaves the show, every time somebody leaves the show, after they've left the show and they're doing interviews every single time, they say something like, well, I wanted, I wanted to get out there and try something new, try something right. different. And I feel like every time that's just a polite way of saying I was bored with my job and I want, and, and I wanted to get out because they weren't giving me anything challenging or uh, new to do. And this is a job. This is not like, you know, work in retail. No. You can't just go from one job to another. Like mm-hmm. you're going to have periods of fallow where you're you're waiting for either something right to come in or something at all to come in. You're, right. You've got no guarantees. Yeah. But you would rather do that than have the stability, but boredom of what you were doing. Right. I think that speaks volumes. Yeah, and I think it's mostly the younger members. Right. Because you know, honestly, it's it's got to be boring for him. But I can't see Kirk leaving the show. At this point in his life. No, because what would you do? What right. else are you going to do? Yeah. You'd be kind of typecast into the same roles over and over again if you got any work at all. I mean, God, you've got Colson and Ben Price and Jack P. Shepard doing Sofa Cinema Club right. on the side. Yeah. And and Ben and Jack making these little movies together as well, you know, and writing things and and staying within the stability of the show but also doing other things and i think this is why people from the show are constantly doing things like dancing on ice it's it's to get out and do something a little different every once in a while you know and now that uh sally divener has the um has a connection with with bridgerton and netflix and shonda freaking rhymes I'm, i'm i'm sure it's tempting to to say to Phoebe over dinner one night, hey, do you think do you think maybe they could write me in? <laughs> right. You know. I wouldn't blame her. No. Well that was the Although week that Sally was, at least gets some interesting things to do still. That was the week that was Coronation Street then. Yeah, it was. I thought it was a better week. It 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 was better than last week. Last, yeah. last week was it, a was a low, let's last, be honest. Last but, week was appalling. This week still gave me something to swear about though. I did notice. Yes. And actually, I feel like I was more sweary this week because... No, you weren't. Because this this made me indignant and didn't make me sad and didn't trigger me the way last week did. Yeah. This just made me fucking fear. This week was a no-tear formula. Yes. Yes. No no tears were shed over Kev. Because why would they be? Right. He's a dick. But, but here's the question, though, Helen. Yes? What was your moment of the week? What was my moment of the week? Let's see now. I liked I liked the rowboat robot mm-hmm. scene. Robot. That was nice. Robot. <laughs> if you want Summer should have shown to up destroy though. <laughs> <my> sweater. <laughs> um I did like and I did laugh an awful lot 
over the whole Stu thing. It was fun to see Stu given something to do and interacting with more people yep. on the street. And, and becoming also for, friends with people. That was right. nice. And also for Ed to show up. Yeah. <laughs> right. We got to see two Baileys this week and mm. a reference to another one. So yep. that's it's always it's always good when the at least a few of the Baileys show up in other people's storylines and they're not talking about racism. It's good. It's good. More of that, please. Your moment of the week. Though. More Baileys. So that's kind of, that's got kind of moment of the week potential. And also, Steve Stonehill hitting Tracy in the face. That made me laugh an awful lot. Yeah, that's not, let's not say that's not moment of the That's kind of the way I'm leading, because we need something funny. The show needed a humor storyline, let's be honest, because everything else has just been okay, well, so let me, shitty. Let me throw something out there and then. And crappy. For you to piss all over. triggering. And stupid. We've been saying for a while, or we've been looking for a reason to give Moment of the Week in this direction. And I think we were finally given it. Oh, yes. Because Joseph and Granny Linda together in Nina's roles right. was a lovely wee two-handed scene. When is this going to get better? Yep. Yeah. What's, what needs to change? What needs to change? Yeah. All right. Yes. Yes, Joseph. We've yes, done Joseph. It. We we've did it. Done it. We did it. We gave you and your cute little freckles Moment of the Week. Moment of the week. Freckles. Superb. Superb. And that's that's not just a platitude. That was a great It was a great great scene. scene. He's a great wee actor. I'm so glad we're finally getting a chance to see it. And we've talked about chemistry and characters working together. Him and uh, Granny Linda together. You believe in them. Right. Right. And I think that's that speaks volumes. Linda reminds me of Karen a little bit. Just a little bit. I can see that. Yeah. Come on now, you'll up a lot. <laughs> now, now it's time for me to cry. Uh, your boring moment of the week. Is it Daisy trying to get Daniel to be indignant about apostrophes? Is it Ken putting the apostrophes in? <laughs> That's not really what he was doing. That's what he said. I thought he was organising something. No, he said he went in and put the apostrophes into all those papers that were a week old. And I don't know if... I, either they've changed scenes around... Or they've just lost track of what were headlines because that was a scene that was a headline from last week. But see, then see, this is the thing, and I mentioned this. I mentioned this on Twitter this or week. Or Dave can travel through time. These these legendary characters that they've keeping they're keeping off the show because of COVID, and then they trot them out yeah. and expose them to people just for stupid shit like this, mm-hmm. and then they trot them back out again because we don't see Ken again for the whole wine tasting, which is a scene he absolutely should have been in. But who wouldn't be interested in the plot twist of Dev being able to travel through time? <laughs> now I'm interested. Is it Kenny's apostrophes? Yes, it's Kenny's apostrophes. That's a boring moment of the week. Give the man something better to do. If you're going to expose him to get COVID again, which he's already had once. Let's wrap this one up then. Huh. If you want to drop us a line, you can get us at the talk of the street gmail.com. We're at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can shake me and Helen a coffee by heading to kofi.com slash the talk of the street. That's ko fi.com. Check out the clicky clicky section of voggle.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on the please. iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. And yes. we will be back next week with more. A talk of the street. Bye. The talk of the street. Cheerio.